Hello, friends, and welcome to this week's edition of Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS. Dear JCPS is a district-focused stakeholder advocacy group that demands accountability and transparency from JCPS through a lens of equity. Save Our Schools Kentucky is a statewide advocacy group that seeks to expose and prevent attempts to privatize our public schools, including charter schools and everything else from the ALEC playbook. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS. I'm your host, Gay Adelman, and... I'm Yvonne Rivera, the perennial sidekick. So today we have with us two of the parents who were the founders of the Live and Learn group on Facebook. If you haven't seen it yet, please go check it out. Um, and we also have uh, House Rep Tina Bojanowski on our program today. We're going to hear a little bit from her about the upcoming special session and what preparations we can be making and how parents in particular uh, can show up in Frankfurt and help uh, advocate for the policies that need to change. In particular, the local control that needs to come back to our, our district leaders so that we can implement uh, what's best for our students because one size does not work for all. And uh, we've had those controls taken away from us. So tell us a little bit. Uh, we've got Mel Tanner and Rose. What is your last name, Rose? Reams. Reams? Yes. And uh, would you ladies mind telling us a little bit about uh, your organization that you've started and what you hope to accomplish? Um, I'm Mel, and I just, uh, I'm a parent of two JCPS students, uh, one in elementary, one in middle school, and I watched how we opened our schools, and I thought that we would be prepared, and I can see that our quarantine policies are not great, and I can see that uh, children are at risk, and we need to make some changes in the way we're navigating this pandemic with our kids. We need, um, we need stronger quarantine policies, and I would like to see hybrid education back in place to keep our classrooms limited for contacts and keep them safe. Uh, it would address a lot of the issues that uh, I think we're seeing, and a lot of parents I'm seeing, they, they have those concerns and they've expressed them. And I wanted to speak up and actually do something about it. We'd like to see uh, the parents' voices heard. Please speak up, join us, help us. Um, your voice could make the difference, and you don't think it will. I'm a mother of two elementary school children, and we decided on some values and non-political things that were not using our children as pawns in the political madness. I think we've come up with a great idea for hybrid schooling, and I want to see changes, and that's why I'm here. Uh, thank you, ladies, for joining us on today's program. And uh, we're going to be uh, in Frankfurt, right? Is that right? We're going to be in Frankfurt on Tuesday at 9 a.m. And uh, hope to see other parents and students. You can get educational credit uh, like a field trip. Uh, if you bring your students and fill out the form and notify your school that, that's, that you're taking your child on a field trip uh, to see history in the making and watch how laws are made here in Kentucky. And we, we, Kentucky is... Uh, all eyes are on Kentucky nationally as this special session unfolds. So uh, it's going to be a great opportunity for children to come and see uh, the process in you know history in the making. So look for us around 9 a.m. Uh, we're going to meet at the parking garage. The top level parking garage has a little covered area where the elevators come out. Uh, so look for us around that area around 9 a.m. and uh, come out anytime. As long as the special session is going on, your presence does make a difference. So, so the question was, so 
From my perspective, from the education meeting, there wasn't a whole lot of crazy that went on. I mean, it sounded pretty rational, you know, allowing districts to do flexible NTI, whether you want to, so that you don't, if, if you need to shut down something, you don't absolutely have to do an entire district. There is discussion about doing, you know, either a building or a grade or even a classroom. Um, so you could really target where there might be needs. And there was discussion and there is in the, I need to print that out, the, the governor's call for the special session, it does include the word hybrid. So those are all kind of points to think about. Um, the, the one aspect that I'm concerned about statewide is that they're gonna do total, that they would do essentially absolute local control and then any of the districts who no longer want to have any face mask mandates could just drop them off. Um, so I'm hoping like the governor, I, I listened to him make the call yesterday. He was saying, hopefully if they do allow any sort of face mandates, um, or that hopefully if there are like red counties or there would be some sort of a, um, criteria under which they could require a mandate and overrule, I guess what a local district might do. Um, because my, and the point I made in many is that the concern for a lot of people in a lot of these counties is it would be a political decision and not a public health decision. Um, That's what this, but that, you know, now for Jefferson County, I don't, I don't see them lifting a mask mandate until we're really in a good place. So I'm not as worried about it for our school board, but I am worried about it for a lot of the rural school boards. And plus, um, like I had a school board member tell me, she's not an epidemiologist. She doesn't feel like she's well-trained to make those decisions as far as, um, you know, whether to have a mask mandate or not. So, um, so that, that's kind of, what I'm a, a little bit concerned, well, more than a little bit concerned about, but. They want to pick and choose what they, what they get. Oh yeah. That makes I mean, sense. They want, they want local control until they don't want local control. They want local control until they're trying to screw over JCPS. You know, they want local control until JCPS doesn't have SROs. So then all of a sudden the government has to, you know, clamp down on them. So. What can we do, Tina, other than get lots of bodies dressed in red right. there on Tuesday? Mm. Well, first, tell me what, I mean, because as far as the education hearing we had last week, there wasn't a whole lot of crazy. Um, Southworth was still a little crazy, but um, what, what specific concerns do you have? Um, about what might come out or not come out of the special session. I'm pushing for hybrid. What, what are you pushing for? I'm pushing for hybrid because we have to put the capacity in half so there can be social distancing. Hmm. And I actually was talking to Yvonne and she had something about special needs kids. And why can't we do, if it's cut down to 50% there at a time, there'll be plenty of room for the special needs kids who don't thrive during NTI. 
Right. But come all four days or five days or whatever it ends up being. And to be there safely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And our high minority populations that may not have as many flexible options and stay-at-home parents and transportation and all of those concerns uh, addressed. They would fit in nicely with a with the half the population being in there. They'd still be safe. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. So how would you pick who would be able to? I mean, would it be free and reduced lunch? So can I uh, can I back up a second? Because I would like to answer your question, your first question, uh, and add on to what Rose said, if that's all right. Because I hear I hear sure. you, I hear where this is going. Um, Thank you. Tina is my rep and I live in her district. And I'm a teacher and I'm and sitting here in my NTI office at home with trying to build up five, what, four days worth of lesson plans yeah. and it's like, ah. So I wanted to invite you on to a call to, as, a, as one of your constituents, to share my concerns, but also to bring to you uh, feedback that we're getting from our organizational leaders, uh, you know, Yvonne and I are both with Save Our Schools Kentucky, so we get a lot of feedback statewide from our uh, officers right. uh, across the state, and also have some mobility uh, as far as organizing when we figure out what those collective, if we can agree on what our collective messaging and strategy and talking points are, then we have some avenues to hopefully branch out and bring some of those other counties on board. Um, so when what Rose said about pushing for hybrid and the things that we're talking about, I agree with everything that I heard you ladies say. And the thing is, is our district leaders are completely capable of figuring out how to make that happen as well as how to determine if it's free and reduced or this or that or this or that. What I want to get away from doing is having lawmakers make education uh, decisions. And right. I heard you guys talking about local control when uh, I was plugging in all my buttons. So I know we had the local control conversation already. Um, and that's what I really think that we should push for because, um, again, it kind of goes back to the me moving to a boat example. Uh, we've done everything we can to try to protect the state's children at this point. And I'm not saying that we should throw the state's children under the bus, but we can only bite off what we can chew. And Jefferson County, being the largest district in the state, should just take mm -hmm. this opportunity to lead by example. And then maybe others will follow. And if we can get control pushed back down to the local level, those counties out in Appalachia and out in western Kentucky and out in eastern Kentucky that agree with us, but they have horrendous leaders, there are a lot of people who agree with us, but they have horrendous leaders too. So let's, if we can push that local control out, it shines the light, the spotlight on the on the bad actors, on the people that are actually making harmful decisions, sure. that are sabotaging and throwing people under the bus and putting putting their political careers ahead of children, using our children as pawns. So um, every time the conversation goes in the direction of how do we fix the problem, I'd really like to see us bring it back to let's let our local leaders who we have the ability to hold accountable make those decisions because i can show up in november and get rid of my board members and say we need a new superintendent if i truly feel like 
uh, this isn't working. And we've done that before. Right. We got rid of David Jones and we got rid of Hargens. So we know what we're capable of and that's what they're afraid of. They know that too. I don't know if you saw, there's a lady out on Twitter right now trying to run for JCPS superintendent. She thinks it should be an elected position. Have you seen her yet? Oh, no, I didn't see that. So, again, these are all playbook plays, state takeover, pull the power away from the things that are working they want to break. They're continuing to try to break the things that work so that they can keep getting their little talons in, their nose under the tent, proverbial nose under the tent. Mel, you look like you had something to say. I saw, no, I saw what you're talking about. I think yes. I saw it in the uh, Let Them Learn. Somebody screenshotted it and shared it. And I was like, wait, what? Uh -huh. <laughs> Why are you? And, and then, uh, do we, so are you saying we have people that probably actually feel the way we do, but right now they're afraid to speak up? Absolutely. That's where we're at. Absolutely. In the red counties, especially. Um, and, or they are speaking up, but they're being drowned out because. Uh, the people with the with the political will have more money in communication channels, and they know how to attack and discredit the people that are speaking uh, truth. So um, we are very, unfortunately, very skilled in uh, recognizing those behaviors and have been um, attacked ourselves on on more than one occasion. So you know, if we can find those people and uh, connect with them and let them know they're not alone, uh, we can really make a big difference out at the district level as well. So I think we've, we need to, at this time, at this point, it's time to put on the tourniquet and save ourselves. And then once we have our bleeding under control, we can then mobilize at the state level. And we really have until next November. And we need to make sure that they know that we have next November on our calendar and we're watching how they vote now and that's how we're making our list. So those that are on the fence need to come on over to the right side of history uh, because the other side, that's white supremacy and you, when, the, when everything falls, you don't want to have been uh, giving cover to the white supremacists. Well, and I think, I mean, local control seemed to be the theme of the education meeting we had last week. I mean, I heard it multiple times. Um, I don't know if they mean local controls so that the governor can't make mask mandates on them. I think that, you know, they're not thinking it through too much. It's kind of when they're saying, my body, my choice. Right. But they mean vaccines no. now yes. and not, you know, health, feminine health woman's health care so uh, you yes. know it's hypocrisy but it is uh, you know local control I agree would be 100% what we want for Jefferson County so and I also think it was interesting that there was so much calm in that education committee meeting because uh, I, I felt the same way when we were talking about vouchers uh, early on at least, and also about site-based decision-making councils. We were going to add a parent to site-based decision-making councils and everything was going to be all hunky-dory. And then when the bill came out, not only did they not add a parent, they took a teacher away, they took away protections right. for teachers. No. So we can't, right. even if they act normal in public, we can't trust them to right. act normal behind closed doors. And so we have to anticipate right. that they're coming forward with some heinous stuff, especially since they can. You know, they've got the supermajority and they're going to pass whatever they want, just like we saw this last session during the pandemic. And it'll be very interesting, you know, because the, the governor's call was very narrow and very specific. It'll be interesting how they try to spin 
some things that aren't necessarily what the governor wants to see happen. So, And I also wanted to, when we were talking about the statewide reach and the other organizations and the viewpoints that uh, Yvonne and I are bringing, and also we have uh, Live and Learn representatives on our call, which uh, it's so great to see that group pop up. And I love the name. I told Yvonne I love the name. I, I think we ought to say uh, learn and live and emphasize live. <laughs> <laughs> Rose, tell me the name. Tell me about live and learn. So, um, I, don't, I don't know. I think we, Rose and I started we, we have conversations on our porch all the time and I'm, I'm not uh-huh. I'm not a person to talk about something and then not be willing to act on it so what comes out of my mouth I kind of live by but um, we were sitting there talking and, and I had concerns about the quarantine policies like when they I was really kind of shocked that they made the decision for us to go back to school all in to go from the get-go sure yeah yeah so that's so the quarantine policy itself is disheartening and when um when the first week, the first day of school, I was already emailing Dr. Polio, who more or less said it's out of his hands, and referred me to contact other individuals. And then I uh, also emailed the governor. Of course, I did not expect to hear back, and I did not. Uh, but I did it because I just wanted to feel like I had done what I knew to do to get myself started. So I contacted those two individuals, and I really didn't know where to go. And then Rose and I were talking, and I drafted this letter. I outlined my concern. The quarantine policies were definitely one of them. Another one was, why are everyone's complaining about overcrowded buses, cramming? The carpools are insane because parents who are scared to put their kids on a bus are like filling the carpool, and it's overflowing and out of control. And this could all be better if we were on a hybrid situation you've got yes we need to be in the classroom but we also need to be safe and smart and it makes sense that our children get two days of virtual that deep cleaning because by the way that was outlined in my letter which i sent to mr polio who said no we can't even we're not deep cleaning at all we don't have time for that we can't do that it's not even an option he acted like we're not allowed to do that but regardless he's like you know that's not happening it's not possible and then two days of in-person instruction. And I have to say, when your classroom's already reduced by half, not only is that two days good, it's gonna be super valuable because you got, you're gonna have smaller groups there and your quarantine's gonna be reduced. You're, you know, these children should be eating in their classrooms for that matter. I identified the cafeteria being another thing. When we uh-huh. went up our children, when we went up to pick up our children that were quarantined, we, they were blaming the cafeteria and they were going exclusively off the cafeteria seating chart. Okay. They were um, yes, that's how. And there was a seating chart mistake. Okay. And by the way, kids also switch seats. I hear a lot of that going from my uh, So they were pointing to the seating chart in the cafeteria. My daughter uh, was not correct on the seating chart, and therefore was not included in the quarantine. Although she was also still not directly exposed to the child that tested positive, but I still wanted to pull her. Oh. She was, she was in contact with Rose's daughter. And because they sit directly across from each other, unmasked in the cafeteria. Right, right. But when I went to pick her up, they were like, "No, she doesn't. That's not where she sits." And I'm like, "Hold on." And I pulled my child over, and I'm like, "Right, where do you sit?" So I was very wow. clear to everyone where right. she sat. So um, it's just they were going on. They were blaming the cafeteria. That's when their masks are off. That's when this is happening. And I'm like, I don't know that that's exclusively true. 
Mm -hmm. If you're sharing pencils and desks, which by the way, the fourth and fifth graders, their teachers could come to their class. They shouldn't be switching. Their teachers could move. I know it's, I, maybe as a teacher that might be harder. Right. All right. All right. In your building, are the kids switching classes? Yes. In fourth and fifth we grade. Don't. Yeah. Watterson, we don't. In, in Wilder, they are switching classes in fourth and fifth grade. Hmm. And Last year, the teachers moved. And that's not to this year. Because the teachers should be moving when that's when that's a viable option. That's a simple, sensible option, and that's not happening. We shouldn't also not have floods of children flowing in at one time or out at one time or congregating in large. And maybe maybe they should be dismissed by classroom rather than mm -hmm. okay, all the walkers. And then 50 kids run into the hallway that have not been in contact with each other. Oh, all day long. God. Yes. They are now. They're not cramming onto a bus. Uh, they would not have otherwise, if they're eating lunch in their classrooms, you're, you're only exposed to the children in your classroom. And as prison like as that sounds, that's the world we're in right now. Right. Well, it's safety right. protocols. You either have them or you don't. You either follow them or you don't. And I'm hearing from educators. I know of a black educator who came in contact with. Uh, someone who tested positive, and they created a seating chart after the fact to try to pr prove that she was not at risk and put her in a different place than she actually sat. And she had to go to raise, elevate her concern and say, this, is, this seating chart is fraud, which it sounds like is exact, exact. So that's one of their practices that they have learned is they can forge a seating chart and get around the rules too. And so that's an equity issue because not every school follows the same rules. And so the schools that are going to end up uh, with the most lax procedures and the more things swept under the rugs are going to tend to be our lower performing schools uh, where our higher minority populations are because they can get away with it because they don't have the same amount of supervision or engaged parents or whatever it is. And that's by design as, by design as well because they've taken the West uh, Louisville neighborhoods and chopped them up and did sent everybody out so they don't even have the opportunity to collaborate and share stories and say wait a minute this is happening to your child that happened to mine you know like so that they can get outraged uh, justifiably outraged um, I, I think okay, that's how I that's how live that's how live and learn came to be okay I, I was talking to Rose and I was like you know this is not just for our children this is all children right and if these are basic sensible reasonable attainable so None. We, we need to be shouldn't be, be taking advantage of them. And it's because it was I'm like, yeah, yes. protect our kids. I can pull my child out in homeschool or I'm a stay at home mom, yes I am. But right. I feel like all we need to protect all these kids. Yes. They all deserve and I am I'm, I'm kinda of blown away we're not all following the same set of rules. So here's a here's a quagmire uh, creator, and that is that not all of our leaders agree that COVID is real. We have district leaders and principals who think this is a hoax. Okay, so they are laughing when in they JCPS? Yes. Um, so they're they're secretly laughing or not enforcing rules because they think that it's all just made up anyway. So that's part of your problem. I don't know how Wilder's principle is. I think that is not the case. As much as, much as I like him, I am hearing that he just thinks this will all go away. It's okay. Well, that's not much different than thinking it's a hoax to begin with. We're not taking it seriously if we have that attitude. Um, I just don't, I don't want to be those people that we sat quietly and didn't speak up and say anything, and then all of a sudden your 
JCPS has got a child that was contaminated at school with COVID, and now they're on a ventilator or they're mm -hmm. passed away. We've and lost I mean, I just be like, I people. We have lost people. Um, I want to read to you something. I talked to a, um, a black educator this morning, the same black educator that told me about her fraudulent seating chart. And I, I took some notes because what she said to me was so powerful. And it ties in with what you're saying as well. Um, she, she said... I do want school to be out. I think we should be working from home. She agrees with all of that, but she's not helping in this fight right now because she says that she thinks Dr. Polio believes that we need to be in person, so he's going to fight the bill till the bitter Recording. end. Let me finish reading this, and I want to talk yeah. a little bit about House Bill 208 also because when, when Mel was saying that about hybrid, he can't do hybrid. That was taken away from him when, we, when the governor lost his executive powers at the beginning of the session. Uh, that made what he did to grant NTI illegal, and so they came up with House Bill 208 to retroactively fund NTI so that the problem that they had created could magically be solved. And in that, the Tea Partiers, and I think that's part of what I heard when I came in too, the Tea Partiers got involved and wanted to, for wanted to use House Bill 208 to force everyone back in person. That's their political agenda. They want us all in person, all exposed to each other, all there to take the test because that's how they make money is off the privatization uh, of education and setting us up to fail so they can test and prove that we're failing so they can justify their charter schools and they need the data. They need that data. So this is, uh, it's not untrue that he couldn't do hybrid because they made that part of their bill and uh, you even could hear the radical Tea Party libertarian groups wanting the bill killed. Even Bluegrass Institute for Public Policy came out and said the bill needs to die, even though they were the ones that fought for, for the bill in the first place, because it didn't have enough harmful, hateful, racist things in it is why they wanted it to die. They wanted to put us back out over the barrel to have to beg and plead for funding some other way, because that's how they keep us at their mercy. And so then it expired at the end of last school year, and when we started this school year, we were left with zero flexibility whatsoever, which is why we need this special session. Special session. So um, all of that uh, I thought was worth sharing just so people know the history because it's, it's very confusing and it's very easy for them to just point fingers back and forth and go, oh, no, they did it. No, they did it. So we need yeah. to understand, yeah, but you played a part too and you, you have some responsibility. Why are they not helping us fight? Uh, why is Marty telling principals, this is part of what I wrote down that, that um, this educator told me as well. She said, He's telling principals to stop talking about it, uh, that we're going to have in-person regardless, so just quit talking about it. And that COVID data, the dashboard... Talking about what? Talking about hybrid? Talking about... Like, he doesn't want us to showcase uh, absences from quarantines and uh, uh, cases. Like, he wants us to stop talking about all that because that just makes it harder for them to get people to get in line and get with the program. So he's made, he's told principals to downplay this. Um, so she's, her answer was, why would I waste my time on that when I have students who are coming to school every day and I'm spending my time focusing on her, she herself not getting COVID and she is vaccinated. Uh, she said a friend of mine's sister died from it yesterday from COVID. This is a black educator. They are impacted by COVID much more than white communities are. So that was part of her point too. She said, uh, kids are coming to school. Black kids are coming to school saying they feel like they're being set up to die. They don't want to die. Half of them, half of us are saying we need to be in person and the other set, half is saying we don't. So what are we supposed to do? 
uh, and it's the people who could be making other arrangements who are the ones wanting to force school to be in person. Like they can do the uh, walkers, they can become walkers because they live close to their schools. Our West Louisville families can't, don't have that option. And so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then the carpool pickup line is getting longer because people are able to take their kids off the bus and pick them up. Again, our West Louisville families don't have that option. So the inequities are horrendous, and that is what we need to be focusing on. And this is life or death for our black community. So, you know, we can't just treat this like, oh, you know, it's just another bill and another special session, and it is what it is, and we'll do whatever they tell us. That is not an acceptable answer. Um, some of them, she said, uh, some people, some of them just want babysitters. And she wasn't talking about the black community. She's talking about the white community again. Because she said, because the black kids aren't making it to school. They're either having to wait an hour for a bus. Uh, they may have a family member who died. Um, uh, <clears throat> and, and white families are not that personally affected by COVID, so they can't even relate. So we're forcing white, white families, and I'm including myself as a white family. I know I'm a white person, um, but we are forcing our most vulnerable community members back to school because of what we are capable of uh, doing about it and not taking into account the, the barriers that we've put in place that our most vulnerable families can't. Um, you are listening to a special edition of Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS. This program was recorded on September 5th, 2021, and we are speaking with House Representative Tina Bojanowski, as well as parent founders of the organization Live and Learn, Kentucky Live and Learn, Mel and Rose. The governor has called for a special session to discuss the COVID crisis and to hopefully bring forth legislative changes that will allow our districts to operate safely and keep our children safe. The special session begins on Tuesday at 10 a.m. in Frankfurt. We hope to see you there. We now continue with the special edition of this week's program. How about um, the option for the Pathfinders program? Uh, oh, we're on a waiting list. list. How, many, how long is the waiting list? Has that been published? Well, my kids are on it. I added them. I, heard, I was well, like, this is not looking good for us because everyone's talking about test and stay, which is not helpful. Uh, right. not a solution. And that's what they want to push. That's what I'm seeing Oldham County do. That's what I saw Indiana is doing. So I'm assuming that's what Mr. Polio is probably thinking we're going to go for. Well, and it was a very much, I mean, they had a speaker on it specifically on when. Yeah. My husband was like, get them on the waiting list if you haven't already. And the waiting list when I last looked was like 700 kids long. I think... Oh. I, I mean, can you check it online? I don't know. Sorry? Were you can able? you check it online or did, was somebody just published that it was 700? I just didn't know how long it is. No, no. Um, I feel like I'm reading, uh, well, I'm reading news articles and things like that, but when I signed up, they were like, we're on a waiting list and we're only focused on our, uh, the kids that got enrolled on time. And oh, the last right. news article I had read had mentioned like 700 kids. I'm sure it's well past that because more and more parents <laughs> So that, that's where I'm finding people. Uh, Gay, you were talking about reaching out and finding people. I, where I'm finding people is I'm reading news articles that are relative to the situation and the concerns, and I'm reading the comments of parents, and I'm like, hey, we're over here. Come join us. Please help. Right. I, I don't know what else to do. I've never done anything like this before. I'm, I mean, I've, I've managed businesses, but I've not actually, you know, come up and said, okay, this is ridiculous. These are our kids. This is not a tool and a political agenda, and I draw the line at children. 
okay? Mm -hmm. So if you want to, if adults want to go behave like children, that's one thing. But but we need to be better role models to our children in our decision process right now is showing that we're only still out for ourselves in the bottom line. So I have a little problem with that. Absolutely. I have a related hybrid question, which I'm going to call de facto hybrid. I mean, they can say in the state legislature, you can't have hybrid. But if you've got a third of your kids or half of your kids quarantining, and you have, have de facto hybrid. Right, right. And they're not getting an education while they're right. quarantined. That's right. I showed up to a PTA meeting expecting other parents to show up while Rose and I were in, we were in like the second or third round of quarantine for our school. And we kept waiting to hear from a teacher about what we were supposed to do for their education during their 10 day quarantine. And we weren't hearing anything. So there happened to be a PTA meeting that was impromptu and we thought parents were gonna show up outraged. That's not what happened. So Rose and I and one other woman were the only people that showed up. And this other woman was complaining because her weekend plans were ruined because her child was quarantined. And then I was like, no one's gonna say anything, I'm going to. So I right. spoke up and I was like, what are we supposed to do to educate our children during this 10 days? And Mr. Perkins is like, what? No one has contacted yeah. you? And I'm like, no. And I have reached out to the teacher and oh, not heard wow. anything back. And she's like, oh, no, we have a whole, you go into the uh, Google Classroom. And I'm like, no, no one has contacted us. There's nothing in her Google Classroom, okay? And so the very next day, three emails go out school-wide to everyone and it's all set up overnight just like Magic. that and now is it or it was, was absolutely is it your classroom teacher i thought there were district staff teachers who were doing the um quarantine kids that's what we were told we had no live education my daughter received no information about live live education rose did her experience is a little different i don't know if it's because i proactively quarantined my child so they didn't consider her quarantined oh. But um, they, there was no live education offered to Austin at all. Instead, her assignments for the period of time that she was going to be out were dumped into the classroom. And when I contacted the teacher, because my platform looked different than her platform, her child's platform, when they're in the same classes, they have a different homeroom teacher. That's the only difference. Um, but they're both in, in the same programs. And her, her classroom looked different. My teacher said, no, it's correct. And, but her assignments were there, so we managed to, she managed to do all the assignments. Uh, there was no live stream education for her. What Rose experienced is different, I'll let you tell, her tell you about that. Uh, there was NTI offered, and I was able to find it, but I had to look for it. I really did have mm -hmm. to look for it, and um, it, it was absolutely worthless. It was maybe 15 minutes a day for my oldest one, who is in fourth grade, and my first grader. Um, it, it had nothing to do with what they were learning in class. Absolutely zero, nothing. It was just like, um, and this, I don't know if it was Jeff, through Jefferson County or Kentucky Department of Education. Who put this on? I'm not sure. But this woman was trying to get the children to write the word. I keep hearing thin, thin. I'm like, why are they trying to get my first grader to write the word thin? I look over there and she was going, she was saying then. She was trying to say then, but Oh, you know, I, her accent was so thick that you couldn't understand what she was saying. So the, yeah, anyway, so both of them were very much worthless and they came home um, after they got back to school 
and they had a packet this thick of makeup work to do. And he tried oh. to throw that up there and completely overwhelmed. And I, I don't know what half of it was. And luckily, my fourth grader is absolutely awesome, and she did it on her own. But I've been saying with the first grader, we still are behind. Mm. So, so and classes but, continued while she's quarantined. So classes have continued while she's quarantined. My sure. son had this problem because I ended up quarantining him for four days because I felt like he was symptomatic and I wanted to make sure he was okay. And our family was tested and we're fine. But during that time, he got back. He goes, I miss so much. Aww. So this, this version of all in with quarantine is super disruptive because they're not getting continuous, consistent education. Right. If they have two days in and two days out, then they're getting consistency. Right. And they're all in the same place in the program. I think the right. de facto statement is very true. And we can either proactively do it in a way that works best for us and our community, or we can just sit back and have things happen to us. And that's when our most vulnerable and marginalized communities get harm the most again like always 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 this falls down on uh those the least of these you know but we need yeah. to be standing up so for from, from a legislative perspective then we want the local control and we want a hybrid to be an option that the local districts can select from. yes i mean that's that from your perspective what i'm looking for over the next week um tina someone sent me something i can't remember i emailed someone and they sent it to me and it had something about, oh, it's Jason Glass. Okay, I emailed him my letter. Yeah. And he sent me this thing saying he understood the issue and he talked about hybrid. But then he sent me this document. And then that same day, the document was released into the news. And um, the document is says that it is COVID-19 guidance for schools and districts dated August 27th. And it says guidance for offering a hybrid hybrid performance-based schedule. And I'm reading it, and i got to be really honest, I'm really honest, I don't understand it. It actually sounds like we're allowed to offer a hybrid option if we ask for it. And the wording is very confusing to me. I don't understand really what I'm reading. And so I kind of was left going up, I don't know what I'm reading right now. And, I, and then it was suddenly released in the news, and it, it kind of talked about these options it, it kind of talks like they're possible, but then, so I'm thinking, okay, this says it's possible. So I re-emailed both of my student, my kids. I got an elementary and a middle schooler, and I emailed both of the principals, and I sent a copy. I've got the document. I can, yeah. Anybody wants it. But I emailed it as a link in there, and I was like, oh, I got this document that says this is an option. Uh, is it an option? So I thought that what it was telling me is that I needed to ask mm -hmm. and that it was available if I asked. That was kind of the way what I took away from this letter that's very confusing, okay? Uh, I just put my um, email in the chat. No. The principals replied with no, it's not an option. So Right. So what did they do? They passed the buck again. They each were pointing at each other saying they could be doing that, but no, there's no yeah. path to do it. Um, I mean... Educators that I've talked to have said we've done performance-based grading before, and it's basically just they have to complete certain measures, they have to show up, they have to complete tasks, they have to do certain things, and we mark them present. When we're in certain crisis situations or uh, dealing with certain um, issues, then we have that flexibility, at least at some of our schools, to do that. So why you're being told no, I don't know. I think that is definitely something that we need to keep pushing on our board members locally. You, 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 know, you know what document I'm talking I about. I do. Then. I've seen that link as okay. well. Yep. 
And it's not a new guy. It's, it's um, not a new you policy. You were mentioning that what the Tea Party people were saying in this other group that I watch. I, I guess you can call me a Tea Party point. But what, this other group I'm watching is talking about the things that Gay is talking about. She's like, what they're saying, they're rallying on their side. Okay? The things that she's saying we need to be doing, that they're doing that already. And they are sharing where Gay was pointing out that they kind of pushed this other privatized school. There's literally a post with a link to a school that a church has started. And they're like, if you're not happy over here with what's happening at JCBS, here's a link to this school, mm -hmm. you know, that, and that they're Vouchers, trying to start here we come. So she's literally, mm -hmm. everything she's saying, I can literally tell you, I'm reading and seeing in these other places. Yep. And I'm seeing other parents among them that are concerned as well, and they're not super thrilled with this all-in, with the quarantine policies, right. the, the quarantine right. is working. I know everybody wants to do test and stay or just go and pretend it's all okay, but that's, we're going to have some serious regrets as the weather, as the weather gets cold and people are crammed in together. Yeah. And flu and, and RSVs and everything really, else. Really ugly. Tina, you can make the argument that you cannot legislate against reality. I mean, you right. can pass a law that makes it illegal to ever rain again. But it's going to rain. Right. And you can say you can't have hybrid, but if you've got a third or a half of your kids out, right, you can call it what you want. Don't like right. that word? Let's call it toast. Right. Right. So, Tina, uh, I know, I you, I've got I know you have to on, go. To, to jump on something else. Um, but I put my email in there, Mel, if you'll forward to me that document. And okay. then A can, you know, text me or whatever, anytime, any other thoughts. Um, but I do, I do appreciate your time and, and kind of sharing the perspective and the thoughts and well, you know, I'm I'm in some special ed, so we I'm not like I'm pulling kids back and forth from classrooms. Um, but then, and then finally, I did. My daughter was at Wilder fourth, fourth and fifth many many years ago, and I can only imagine that carpool line right now because it was forever when we were there. So, so we're gonna have some parents uh, in Frankfurt Monday. Uh, we're going to gather at 9 o'clock before the session starts at 10, so um, look for us. And okay. we're encouraging parents to bring their kids. They can take uh, educational opportunity. They can take up to five days. So why not? If, if schools are crammed or you're on quarantine, right. and um, I guess quarantine, they should probably stay home. But you know what I'm saying. If you're, right. if you're keeping your kids home because it's not safe, uh, there are places in Frankfurt that you might as well come. Uh, we'll be outside if you want to. Stay outside. You can social distance inside, and you'll have a, a better adult-to-child ratio, so you can make sure everybody's staying masked and following guidelines. Right. And, I right. mean, it's better than being crammed into the school. So even if you're crammed into schools, if, if people come to Frankfurt instead and have their field trip. So if lawmakers, especially the Democratic lawmakers, wouldn't mind maybe even hinting that, you know, this is a great uh, historical moment and would make a great field trip and there's, you know, kind of reiterate some of that or even lead with it, we'll back you up. Um, it'd be a great time to get people to come to Frankfurt and know that they can do so legally, you know. 
And then I think homeschooling is something that we should be supporting parents in doing to protect their kids while it's not safe. Uh, and I don't know why the district isn't uh, supporting those families and, and is allowing uh, the, the predators to siphon them away from us. So those are all disappointing things. But I know you got to go, so I just want to throw that in there. I do, I do. All right, thank you all so much. Thank you. I was under the meeting on Tuesday. Oh, uh, Day said Monday, but she I did Tuesday. mean Tuesday. Thank you. Thank you for that she question. Tuesday. We'll see you then, <laughs> Tina. Thank you again. And ladies, stick around because we can keep talking if you like. Um, That's what I was thinking. You know, it's a Tuesday. I think if we could get 10 people there dressed in red and their meeting doesn't start till 2, but they will be there in, in the halls plotting and scheming early. I had 10 o'clock. It doesn't start till they got something at 2. Oh, I have 10 o'clock on the but stuff I forgot I what it was. Well, we can confirm that then. Well, I know the <laughs> other side is definitely trying to gather. They've got things posted. Yes. And I was like, oh, this is not good. Because they don't really care. They just want them in the classroom. They don't care if they're quarantined. They don't, that, they don't care. And why and do they, they want my kid in the classroom so much? Why? I think we need to ask them that question. Why do you care if my kid's in school? Why Send your kid to school, but why, why are we forcing everyone to school? I don't know. I, we also saw, like, some really scary stuff with, like, parents. Parents out there are scared, and we all are. But there was one parent, when we went to pick up our kids from quarantine, she had, she kept going, but he's wearing a mask. He's wearing a mask. And I'm like, it's like it's like we talked to Mr. Barrett. She's or Yvonne, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> she was like, she's like, it's like Swiss cheese, and I and she's going, aren't they safe? He was wearing a mask, and I'm like, you can't be lying to yourself like that. You just you you can't. You've got to be real. That you've got precautions, and we got to take all the precautions. There's gonna be so much. It's regret. not just masks. It's it's ventilation, which like four schools have you know it's deep cleaning which we know went out that window because they don't have wednesday to clean up anymore and or custodians spraying i mean i think they have a guy come in every they have a you know we have our usual custodians well, i saw a whole bunch of people i'd never seen before and then i put two and two together and figured, oh they're the deep cleaning crew but you know i stay late they come on a Wednesday, and I'm here to tell you that uh, they're not here every week. That is for damn sure. They're here every three to four weeks, which is something. I mean, I please send them. Keep sending them. Right. But That's more is better. So, and... I heard you guys when I was plugging things in also talking about like what are the are we the counter protesters are they counter protesters I'm not even sure anymore who was first but um, we're there in support of rational thinking lawmakers whoever they are and uh, in protest of those who uh, are using our children as political pawns and then there's 
there's a 10 to 15 percent on either extreme. Our, our, our Democratic allies who are going to vote the way we want them to vote makes up 10 percent, 10 to 15 percent of the legislature. The, the right-wing right radicals hopefully also only make up 10 to 15. So you've got your moderate conservatives who really ran for office to serve and care for their community, and that's who we're hoping to reach. Um, I think given, giving the radical protesters enough rope, uh, the hypocrisy shines through, and it's just a matter of let's engage them in as much conversation as we can because they'll show everybody uh, what they are made of if they just keep talking. And so um, they're there for whatever their political leaders dog whistle. They're like Pavlovian dogs, really. You know, whatever red meat the Trump base responds to is what they're going to get fed. And they're responding to critical race theory right now. They're responding to the big lie and putting Trump back into office. There's some 9-11, credible 9-11 threats out there right now, so we also have to be cognizant that these people are capable of some, some very uh, horrible and dangerous things. Fortunately, 9-11 is on a Saturday, so it won't be a day when we are in special session and, unless, and also school, but I was thinking of going to Frankfurt with these crazies I don't want to be around them on 9-11, and I know some of the other people in one of the other groups that I'm in have said, I'm out on 9-11. And so, but this special session could get extended to Saturday. They've, they will hold a session on a Saturday, so we need to just keep that in mind as well. Um, but, you know, they're there for whatever gets them foaming at the mouth. And Are we looking at domestic terrorism from our Republican extremists? Absolutely. That's okay. tied to the so insurrection. It's the same people that were in D.C. on January 6th. Where do we find, where, where do I find out what that plan is? And how do I find out what that is? <laughs> oh, well, there are deep, dark holes that you can go down that are quite scary, and uh, I don't wish that on anyone. Um, but There's a guy on Twitter who monitors parlor and two other crazy places okay. and and you know screenshots and you can look at some of the regular uh usual suspects as Yvonne likes to call them um frank simon is one of the local leaders oh uh he's been speaking how at our... is he still alive he was an old man when i moved here he's been speaking at our Sorry. board me meetings if you can call it speaking he's been slurring uh, angry, hateful, racist statements at our board meetings, and at one of them, he was just all I could hear him saying was, "It's Marxism, it's communism," and then slurring his words. I don't think he was well. Um, and he's got to be ninety something if he's a day. Seriously. I don't I'm know. Not even exaggerating. I don't know, but well, how he still has his medical license is another question, and how he still has people coming to him. But you know, he's got people. In his, he's a cult leader, if nothing else, and they've got people in their control that they can manipulate. And, in fact, he spoke at Central, um, not this last time, but the time before. And when I was there, oh, tell them what a show that was. Oh, uh, it was quite interesting. It was very interesting. I have all that recorded, by the way. But um, he was standing in the foyer talking to a woman who I heard her say, uh, can I come by your office to pick some up, and he said something about a prescription, 
And so I don't know, I can't tell you exactly if she was a patient or an employee or what, but there was something else going on with some of the people that he had manipulated into speaking that night. So just be aware what, they're, what these people are capable of. And um, another one is, his last name is Cooper Ryder. Uh, he's running for office. You can kind of watch some. He's the one that made the big post calling for them to show up in Frankfurt on Tuesday. So, um, yeah, they'll be there. Uh, I don't know if we want to show up with signs directed at them. You know, sometimes I feel like we should tell them how, look in the mirror. You'd want to talk about hate and hateful and divisive. Look in the mirror and hold up a mirror at them or something, you know, because they're claiming that, uh, teaching CRT is hateful and divisive when really all it is is making them uncomfortable and they don't like being made uncomfortable. They don't like talking about uncomfortable truths. And so, you know, this special session is more of that, more of us getting together and talking about uncomfortable things so that we can make better decisions for everyone instead of just ourselves, those who have typically historically always been the benefactor of uh, structural racism. They don't want to dismantle structural racism because they're benefiting. We're benefiting from it. Yeah, I've kind of gathered from that general extremist that they're afraid there's not enough for them. Right. There's not going to be enough for them. That's, That's the general scarcity mentality. Because that question, like, what is the root motivation for you? And the more they talk, I'm like, you're afraid that there's not enough for you. There's not going to be enough for you. Right. Or that you're going to be excluded. That's it's a fear. So it is. Even though they're, they're propagating fear and anger and hate, at, at the heart of it, when you ask what what is the motivation and really try to understand it, it's that they're afraid there's not going to be enough. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's that uh, you, you're probably familiar with Stephen Covey. He wrote a book. He was written several books, but uh, one of his books talks about the abundance versus scarcity mentality. And that's just it. So many of us believe that if you do better and you do better, and I do better, we all do better. There's plenty to go around, and so we lift each other up, but there are people who feel like if you get more, that means I get less, and a lot of that is taught. A lot of that is, is taught through uh, the, the manipulative tactics that this party, uh, the radical right wing, uses to keep its base uh, showing up. So telling people everything's going to be okay doesn't get you to turn out at a board meeting, now does it? Or, you know, you get someone like me who's just like, really, what are you all doing? Exactly. <laughs> Move over. If you think this is okay, you need to get out of the way. That's where I finally got this involved. This is the circus. These are our kids. No. Not, not with our children, no. And there's got to be a hard line somewhere. So I, I can't. Are you ladies? One of the, Go ahead. One, one of the things that worries me is... They're going to try to outlaw the ring, basically. They're going to try to outlaw hybrid because for reasons that I do not understand, they see schools open five days a week with two kids in each class as a victory. Right. What's that whole thing with the Okay. There's, that's how they get their funding. So why can't, why is that... Why can't just be 176 hours of education or whatever whatever it's required? Why does it have to be butts and chairs? That's a great point. Who makes that decision? Why, who makes that law? What, who, who makes that the rule or that's the standard or whatever? At this point, I feel like 
people need to be thinking creatively and we Absolutely. know that people are capable of coming up with solutions Absolutely. even if mine's not the best it's still something which is better than offering I don't care what's going on out there the whole world will be burning your kids need to be in school so we get paid then maybe we need to look at how, what determines that they get paid maybe that needs to adapt because we're living in a different world right Absolutely. I don't think it's school pay. I mean, they're using that as a tool, but they live in an alternative reality where the only reason that people lost their jobs and people stopped going to movies, to restaurants, to concerts is because there was a lockdown. It had like, to do with why we were locked down? No, right. If you had not had a lockdown, these pla are, you know, people would have just gone. Um, when was the last time I was in a restaurant? Oh, let me think. A long time. So this is Delta thing came up again. But it's magical thinking. If only we don't have a lockdown, then nothing will happen. Everyone if we just keep put our heads in the sand. It'll all be okay. And you know what? For most of them, it will be because they have the privilege and they have the uh, less risk, health risk factors than some people. But that doesn't mean everybody's going to be okay. And we're all in this together, aren't we? Apparently not in the mentality that they're carrying. The mentality is me, 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 I, I, I. And that is, that's, that's not enough for me, Foundation. Which... I just go crazy. You think if there wasn't a lockdown? Well, here's people the would still be going to restaurants. Well, let's compare. Okay, one one woman in that other group, she was like, "Let's compare numbers and celebrate our victory." At, and she was like, "This time last year, we were um, homeschooling, and there was like a six percent positivity rate or whatever." And she's like, she puts up the statistics for now, and they're worse. And I'm think she's like, "I think we're doing pretty good." And I'm like, first of all. I'm baffled. Yeah. I am generally baffled that we are doing less now than we have ever done throughout this entire thing. And look at and hospitalizations. I don't understand how that's possible. Look at our hospitals. Like, it, it is baffling. I don't even know what else to say. I mean, we all, we all see it. So, how are we doing less than we've ever, ever done? And now we're in like you know this pivotal moment where it could be a complete collapse and that's what a lot of people would like to see yes that's what the disaster capitalism mindset is all about that's what the Koch brothers uh, created was a disaster capitalism mindset and they want things they, they look for crises so they can come in and buy things cheap and change things around and get their people in place so if they create a crisis they're okay with that because that's just more opportunity for them Again, thanks everybody for, for being on our program. We sure appreciate it.